Today on Let's Talk Limbic Sparks, I'm with Jess Kessler, head of content and creator marketing at Audible, the leading producer and provider of audio storytelling. I'm Kevin Perlmutter, Chief Strategist and founder of Limbic Brand Evolution, a brand strategy and neuromarketing consultancy that taps into emotional insight to strengthen connections between brands and people. The limbic system part of our brain supports emotion, motivation, behavior, and memory. And I'm curious how my guests are creating what I call limbic sparks, which happen when emotional motivation meets brand desire. I love talking with brand leaders who are turning emotional insight into a competitive advantage to drive business growth for the brands that they serve. Jess, thank you so much for joining me today. And let's talk limbic sparks. Love it. Thank you for having me. I am so glad we're doing this. How are you today? I am well. Happy it's Friday. How about you? Oh, very happy it's Friday. Whenever we talk, I can't help but notice your energy and enthusiasm. And I'm and I'm curious, what what motivates and fuels that energy? Oh, thank you for calling that out. Um, so I I think it's a few things. Uh, I really am motivated by good work, and I've been lucky enough in my career to work on some really amazing stuff. Uh, global brands, global consumer products. Uh, I also think good people fuel my energy and I've been surrounded for the majority of my career by really great minds, really smart people, really energetic people. And that energy really helps me keep going. And I think the last thing that has been a recent development, at least over the last 10 years of my life is social impact and focusing on work that's doing better for the community around you or for the world at large. Um, and so those, are, I think, are the three things. Oh, I love hearing that. And I want to go back to that piece about the people that you surround yourself with. And what values do you look for in the people who you stay closest with? I, you know, I think the, the values I look for, really, it's really two main things, transparency and collaboration. And with those two things, you can accomplish a lot. It all comes down, I think, to communication in that area. So really just being able to have honest conversations, really decide what goals are important between two people or groups of people. All of those things help move projects along, help you form strong relationships, and ultimately help you get those connections to make the next project even better. I love that. And you know, another thing that I like to think about in terms of getting to know my guests is brands. And brands have a way of conveying shared meaning and associations so people can get to know a little bit more about you. Can you describe yourself, but do so by only naming a few brands that paint a picture of what you're all about? Yes. Yes, I can. Uh, so the first one I would say is Oatly, which is a brand I've I've loved for a very long time, just given their reverence and their humor, and they don't take themselves too seriously, but they're devoted to a a cause, right? Um, helping people uh, identify or find non-milk-based products. Um, I would say Taylor Swift is a brand I identify with. I know she's a human as well, but I think she's done an incredible job at building herself into one of the biggest fandom centers that the world has ever seen. She has such an authentic connection with her fans, and I think she does an incredible job at the way she speaks to them, engages with them, and releases her content. And then I would say Pinterest, which is a brand that I've found to do some really incredible things. But what I think is great about them is that they've identified three different audiences for them 
And they're able to talk to each one very uniquely between advertisers, the actual creators on the platform and the users of the platform. And I think they've done a really phenomenal job at speaking with them authentically. Such an interesting mix of brands. And I love hearing it. And that authenticity piece keeps coming through and uh, brands with a little bit of irreverence and distinct personalities comes through and really knowing your audience is, is also coming through. It's such a cool mix of brands. Thank you for sharing those. And it gives us a little bit more insight into what makes you tick, which is also cool. So Audible has been around for over 25 years. Like I, I feel it's been part of my my entire adult life and, and longer. And it has a ton of brand awareness, but not nearly as much familiarity around what the brand is all about. I'd love for you to share what you want more people to know about Audible. Great. I, you know, to your point, Audible is the, the leading creator and provider of premium audio storytelling. And that ranges not just from audiobooks, but also includes podcasts, original programming, and a variety of other formats, including our theater uh, initiative and many other uh, areas. It's really a home and a destination for people who are looking to learn, grow, escape, be engaged, sit back and relax. It's a destination that allows people to enjoy in the way that they want to enjoy content. I think globally, we are expanding. Uh, we just launched in Brazil uh, late last year, so to, to much acclaim, uh, which we were thrilled with. I think the the... The next phase of this is really to encourage more people to start listening. Uh, and I, I think this is work that Audible has been doing for the last 25 years and work will continue to do. But it's really about um, care of time. And people have a lot of choice these days. They can choose to watch a movie. They can choose to listen to music. They can choose to scroll social media. Uh, and it's all about making a a value proposition that allows people to understand the benefit that they're getting from choosing audiobooks, podcasts, or originals from Audible, as opposed to another um, piece of content. And that's going to be our main focus going forward. And I think hopefully people will find that there's a tremendous value in engaging with this content um, based on their need in the moment, which changes, right? Everybody changes and everybody needs uh, different different support as we go through the days. Yeah. And, and as I was getting to know you all recently, I, I was really surprised and thrilled to learn about all the original content that Audible offers from words and music to theater performances to so many other things. Can you describe some examples of the types of original content that Audible produces that some people may not be familiar with? Absolutely. We have a tremendous repository of original content, both in the United States and around the world in multiple languages, I think something like 47 different languages. Um, and it's, it's really incredible stuff that's being developed. You can dive into something like The Sandman, uh, which is a, a totally cinematic and immersive world voiced by hundreds of actors uh, across the series. And you can find yourself really whisked away into Neil Gaiman's imagination. Uh, or you can join Michelle Obama on The Light Podcast and talk about what motivates people through times of, of turbulence like COVID 
uh, and how people can can come out on the other side. So it's really it spans the gamut. And I think to your point, we've invested heavily in the theater space with uh, Manetta Lane in New York City. And we invite actors, performers, authors, and creators of all types to come and develop their content um, in a format that works for them. So consider Audible sort of a canvas and creators can paint whatever picture they like. And to me, that I think that's one of the, the values of developing this original content is that you can really capture the creator's imagination and then the consumer can enjoy it regardless of how it's put forward. Yeah, and when, when we were talking a lot about theater at one point, I learned so much about how Audible actually supports creators in the theater community. Can you talk about the role that Audible plays for the creator community? Yes, we do. We are very invested in uh, the creator community. And, and in that definition, we refer to creators as anybody who's telling a story. It could be an, an author, it could be a playwright, it could be a narrator or a voice performer. We, I think in uh, the last 25 years, globally, we have employed over 600,000 actors across the world uh, for voice work uh, or for live performances that are captured and then recorded for audio. Uh, we've also worked directly with hundreds of thousands of authors to bring their stories to life. We help them with production, marketing, distribution, and we give them really a platform in which to monetize their efforts and, and to have audiences find them. Uh, and I think what Audible does really well is they know it's not just one story that people want to hear. It's, it's many. And so for the creator, we look at their body of work both what they've produced before, what they're hoping to produce in the future. And we really bring audiences to them in order to for those people to sort of transcend and stick with them and come back for more. Um, so it's really about building a full body of work rather than just bringing people in for one piece. And you've been with Audible six or so years now, I think. That's right. Currently lead content and creator marketing. I'd love for you to share more of what that's about. Very lucky to lead a team uh, with my colleagues around the world on bringing both the Audible brand and individual pieces of, of audiobooks, originals, podcasts, individual titles, bringing those to market. So luckily, we get to do some really awesome uh, campaigns that consumers get to see. We also use all of the levers that we've invested in internally over the years to build this category, all of our surface placements, emails, talking to customers who have been customers of ours for many, many years. And we get to put together really strategic 360 campaigns that educate people on audio, educate people on Audible, and actually then deliver them the content that they're seeking at the moment. So there's a unique part of your role, which many marketers don't get involved in, which is that you're not only supporting the Audible brand, but you're also supporting the creator brands. And I want to know more about that intersection. How do you balance the two and, and what's different? Yes, I, they're, they're so connected, yet going back to the Pinterest idea, the audiences are different. They have different needs, um, but they all fit together like puzzle pieces. And I would say that the, the Audible brand is what makes it a, a possibility for creators to find and build new audiences. We're a trusted brand. 
We are uh, a destination that people can rely on. And we also have, I think, something like 800,000 pieces of content. So if you come to Audible, you're going to find what you need. And I think creators know that. Uh, and then we, what we do with on the creator side is we ensure that we're representing them authentically and that we're finding the customers who have the largest intent to listen to their, uh, to their titles and ensuring that the, that content gets into the right customer hands. Because then that gives the author or the, or the creator or the narrator an audience base that they can speak to outside of us as they're growing their own personal brand and as they delve into other areas of, of um, commercialization. You know, there's, there's this idea of emotional connection with a creator or with an artist, and we don't often think about it consciously, but I know when I listen to a words and music title and I hear an artist talking about how they have got to where they are over their career and hear the, the intimate stories they're all of a sudden I'm listening to more of their music or um, I just feel more connected. What, what impact have you seen when your audiences are forming these emotional connections with creators through the work that you're doing with them? I can give you a very specific example, one that I'm very proud of and that the team really put a lot of, a lot of effort into late last year. We did an uh, indie romance campaign where we found several romance authors who have already built audiences on their own and are, are creating lots and lots of content generally, books, social content, et cetera. Uh, but we paired up and we used our resources to expo expose them to larger audiences. And what we did was we brought them all into studios uh, and sat them down and we did one-on-one -on -one interviews. We did group interviews. We cut those um, pieces down and we put them out on TikTok and Instagram. And what we found is that particularly the book talk community was so happy to see in person the author that they had grown to love through their books. Uh, and so there were lots of comments in, in the uh, TikTok, especially about, wow, I really love seeing who that person is behind, behind the work. Um, I love hearing them speak. I love hearing what they're about. And it, it puts a face to a name for some people that may not have found it uh, before. And I think it really developed an intense connection and made fans more willing to then explore additional books in the backlist or maybe uh, put their name in for a wish list for something that's coming out next year. So it was really cool to see. Yeah. And you describe yourself as, as a creative and data-driven marketer. And, and I, you were just sort of touching on that idea of, of seeing the impact of this emotional connection. How do you listen for and apply data to creativity in marketing? We use all types of data. So of course, I think as most companies, they'll have access to sales data and revenue data and those sorts of things. But we also do voice of the customer, um, social listening. We do surveys. Uh, we ensure that we have true authentic responses from the end user of our product. And we take that into consideration and we track that with the sales and revenues trends and we see where the spikes are. We make either correlated or, or causation uh, assumptions. And then it guides us into thinking about our next campaign, what worked, what didn't, what can we take away and apply for the next time. But generally speaking, 
I think we at Audible in multiple departments, not just in marketing, have largely agreed that engagement equals long-term value. The more people are willing to engage with a book, a podcast, an author, a narrator, the more they're willing to come back and do more. And so that's our goal is to make sure that people are finding what they need, not just once, but on a consistent basis. So you keep leaning into this idea of authenticity, which is, which is, I know, so core to the way Audible approaches things. Um, Historically, creators have worked to either be authentic or to create stunts. So like I, you think of stunts and like my mind immediately goes to like Lady Gaga wearing a meat dress or something. Um, I forget what event that was for me. It was the MTV Video Music Awards. I forget. Um, and now there's this pendulum swing to creators striving to be more authentic, whether it's uh, Pamela Anderson or others uh, going on the red carpet with no makeup or other celebrities who have really been open about their mental health challenges and how they're tackling those. Uh, where do you think we're going with this pendulum between authenticity and stunts? How do you see this balance evolving going forward? That's a great question. I think that largely they can all coexist. And I would I would even say that go so far as stunts are an expression of artistic creativity, right? In, in some cases, they can be anyway. Uh, and I think uh, if, if you have the artistic ability of Lady Gaga, you might want an outlet for that. And I think that's a, a very natural expression. Um, I would say that authenticity, however, is playing a more important role today in that consumers, including me, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Taylor Swift. Um, I love the fact that she shows us behind the curtain. Uh, I love the fact that she's she is careful with what she shares because she has a private life. But at the same time, she really does allow her fans to feel a direct connection with her, which was never really possible before social media. Um, it was always very um, polished and produced what you saw out of celebrities. And now it can be, if they choose, very raw. And I think that allows for a level of re relatability that makes people say, you're like me and I really like that. I resonate with you. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that allows people to then feel comfortable in either spending money or engaging their time with these products that these celebrities are putting out. Yeah, it's so fascinating to see how certain celebrities are really leaning into showing themselves behind the scenes in, in a variety of ways. And, um, you know, it was interesting during the pandemic, we saw a lot of that because artists started performing solo from their homes or their home studios, which was super interesting to see them being uh, so real behind the scenes. So it's interesting to see how those connections you form with people as a result of those interactions start to grow. When it comes to, um, you know, creating these, these deeply connective relationships with artists and creating compelling marketing campaigns. What tips do you have for brand leaders who are, who are striving to uh, go in that direction? I think when it comes to creating compelling campaigns, the, the first step is knowing your audience and knowing what they want. Um, and then I think you have to truly, realistically look at your corporation and understand, am I able to deliver what the customer wants and still meet the needs 
of my company goals. And uh, you and I talked a little bit about this before. I learned of this through the Marketing Society, but that overlap of consumer need and company need is called the value creation zone. And that's where most uh, campaigns, projects, products are successful. And I think it's really it really comes down to if you can deliver the audience what they want and still have a happy CEO, a happy CRO, and a happy brand officer, then you're in good shape. And I would say that's Audible did that with the romance campaign last year. Um, if if you go back and you look at some of those comments on TikTok, people were calling the team marketing geniuses and saying Audible is delivering what we want and we're here for this. Um, finally, somebody's showing up with the content that we're looking for. And we did take a little bit of a risk. Some of those pieces of creative, if you check them out, they're not safe for work, right? You'd have to listen to those with headphones on and not with kids in the room. Um, so it was a slight risk, but it satisfied the audience. And then I can share that our, our revenue is, um, you know, going up from it. So, and I think creator royalties are going up. So all in all, that was our end goal is, is helping the creators find new audiences, gain more exposure and gain more money. Wow. So with all of this insight that's out there around the power of emotion and emotional connection, why do you think some brand leaders are still neglecting this power of emotion in their approach to growing their own business? I think that's a complex question and, and one that I would say would re would really depend on the audience and the category opportunity, right? And there may be some categories of products or services that do require a very rational approach, one that's extremely value-driven um, or that justifies a means of spending. But for the most part, I think if you're looking to do more than just be a commodity and sell a service, if you're looking to be a, a connecting point for people as a brand, then yes, you do need to lean in to all of the current emotion and then really look for the trends on what's coming next, right? It's often that I think brands are catching up and playing uh, a little bit of, oh, we're in this game too. Um, but the brands that I think do it the best, uh, the three that I mentioned, are always one step ahead of the game. They're always uh, delivering something that a customer maybe didn't know they need or maybe that they didn't ask for yet. Um, kind of one of Audible's people principles. We have a, a, a list of principles that we all sort of function by that are very helpful in business. And one of them is imagine and invent before they ask. Mm -hmm. So it's about finding that emotional connection, delivering on it and satisfying a need before they even had a chance to ask for it. So what would you say then are the best ways to create limbic sparks, those moments when emotional motivation meets brand desire? I think it's it's a couple of things. It's um, staying a, ahead of the industry, really, really understanding your category, understanding your audience and your consumer and finding those needs before they're truly present um, to everybody else. I would say it's developing the right creative, and that could be people showing up authentically behind the scenes. It could be fandom connections. Um, it could just be the very basic developing the right creative for the right marketing channel. You know, a billboard creative versus a, a TikTok uh, is going to be a lot different. 
And then I, I do think it's about finding that value zone and making sure that you are continuing to deliver on customer and company needs uh, because then you really can't succeed if only one of those things is happening. As a brand leader, what is it that you know now that you wish you knew years ago, maybe something that others can learn from? You know what I think I didn't realize until somewhat recently is that audiences change so fast. And we, I think at times become very comfortable in our approach to things because they've worked or they've people have responded well to them. Um, but one thing Audible is really good at is innovation. And I think that we can now look much further into the future and think about what people are going to evolve into, how people are going to consume content differently, how they're going to purchase products differently with new tech coming out every day and making things easier. How can we adapt and how can we be on the forefront? And I, I think that to me is something that now I, I internalize every day uh, and it helps me as I move forward with future planning. Oh, so cool. Jess, thank you so much for joining me today on Let's Talk Limbic Sparks. Thanks for having me. For more, go to limbicsparks.com.